This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. If you want to vote just for fun, I have a poll on Twitter. My account at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Best All-Star Game. Got about 260 votes. Uh, 54% for Major League Baseball, 24% for the NHL, 20% for the NBA, and a whopping 2% for the NFL Pro Bowl. I had somebody reply none of the above i actually wanted to put that as an option but i think you can only have four choices on twitter so that's why that's not an option here's some breaking news there's going to be a coach's challenge now in the upcoming nba season i'm not going to go through all the things you can challenge you can read about that but what i really like about this and i'm going to read from the 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 release the nba put out The head coach must immediately signal for a challenge by twirling his or her finger toward the referees. Now, what is really interesting there, as I bring in my uh, good friend Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta. Paul, I already know coaches are going to find a loophole here because it doesn't specify which finger they can use. You, you go right, right. You go right there, huh, Reed? Well, <laughs> actually, that's true. If they don't specify it, that could get real interesting real quickly. Yeah. So it's just the coaches say, not an obscene gesture, just calling for a review. That's that's all I wanted. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could come in handy. How are you, Reed? I, I'm doing great. It's awesome to have you on the show. And, and you Likewise. know, we've talked. I, I, I will do this topic again some other night, but I do want to say quickly, and you know this because we've talked about it on and off air, the coach referee relationship, the back and forth in basketball is my favorite of all the sports. Maybe oh, partly because I've been able to sit courtside at basketball games, and usually you can't get that close in other sports, but nothing compares to that relationship in basketball. It's interesting. Good and bad, uh, it depends on the, the personalities of the officials and the coaches, the way they interact, how the coaches uh, get their points across to the officials, how willing the officials are that night to accept what the coach is saying. Uh, and there are that that would be a book, Reed. That should be a book of coaching, officiating, basketball interchange because, man, I can think of a whole bunch of stories that I've witnessed myself and some I've taken part in, but that are, are just so fascinating about that dynamic. Yeah, it is. And I, I've seen coaches get thrown out where I'm like, what do they do? And then I've seen coaches throw complete tantrums and not get tossed out of the game. I'm like, what, oh, no. what's it's, going on? That, that's, it, that's the point. That is exactly the point. It depends 
on the dynamics of who the people are, the night, their moods, the way the game is going. All those things play into what can happen that night. And uh, sometimes the fuse is real short on both parties' part. Okay, uh, I, got, I, I have my little unofficial Twitter poll about All-Star games, which maybe I'm just a sour guy, Paul. I'm not a big fan of any of them. Though I like what the NHL has done with the three-on-three format the last few years. I was reading out the the scores in recent NBA All-Star games, including one of them that ended 192-182. Like, you're, you are as big a basketball guy as, well, I mean, you, you run Basketball Alberta, so obviously, but, uh, like, are you, will you watch, I know you watch the NBA and you watch all the playoffs, will you watch the NBA All-Star game, or is that a night where you say, okay, remind me when the real games begin again? Not for a second. I, I don't spend any time watching the All-Star game. I, I can't stand them. I honestly can't. I, it's, it, it's an amazing display always when NBA athletes step on the court, but that makes that, that's a mockery of the game in my, in my estimation. That Maybe that's a bit of a strong word, but I don't enjoy it at all. I know some people do. I'm just not one of them, and so that's a good time to take a break and do something else other than watch basketball when the NBA All-Star game's on. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there, absolutely. And I said earlier, the athleticism is great, but you know when you're taking three steps without dribbling and the defense is actually moving out of the way so you can dunk, after a few minutes it gets, it gets a little old. For yeah, me. a little old. A little, little old, a little repetitive. And when you're scoring 400 points in a night... Yeah. Uh, that, that 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 that's too that's too many baskets because uh, you can only come up with so many ways to be creative and entertaining. I believe. Okay, the Stingers are home on Thursday at seven o'clock against Guelph for their latest game in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Uh, been a pretty good season for them so far. I, I've I enjoyed that venue. I got to go see them play Saskatchewan earlier in the season. We've had a couple players from the team on throughout the year, uh, and there's an Edmonton. And I had the Ploof sisters in a couple of weeks ago. I got to get used to calling it 3x3, not 3-on-3. <laughs> There's a special 3x3 announcement that you're unveiling uh, on Thursday. Tell us what's going on, Paul. Well, we're, we're having 3x3 night at the Stingers game. We're very excited to be partnering with the Edmonton Stingers to bring attention to 3x3, uh, the sport of 3x3, for two reasons. Number one, Reed, it's that... 3x3 is a variation now of basketball. It really is a separate game, so much so that it will be a medal sport in the 2020 Olympics. So just like beach volleyball is to volleyball, I would say 3x3 is to five-on-five basketball. Mm -hmm. So, again, kudos and thanks to the Stingers for bringing attention to the sport. But what's even more significant, I believe, and certainly as it applies to Edmonton, is Edmonton has been the leader in the development the promotion of and the growth of 3x3 in Canada, and I would even go so far as to say as one of the leaders in North America. Uh, we've been, we just hosted our ninth annual Alberta Basketball 3x3 tournament. We've been the only city in the country that has sent a team every year from our tournament to a major FIBA 3x3 event uh, in, in the world. We've sent teams to many countries in the world. And right now, and I think this is what's most significant, and you mentioned the Blue Sisters, Reed, and everybody who's familiar with basketball in Edmonton knows who Michelle and Catherine Plouffe are. They're no longer working with the Canadian women's national team. 
They have decided to strike out. They have formed a great team around them, and they are now fully invested in 3x3 and competing globally. So we have two teams, the men's and the women's teams, both pursuing the Olympic dream. Both have a long road and a long way to go, but they're the, the only teams in Canada in both of their genders that are actively pursuing an opportunity to get Canada to the Olympics in 2020. We're going to introduce them at halftime at the uh, at the Stingers game on Wednesday on Thursday night. Well, that's that's awesome. And like I said, I had them in a couple of weeks ago, just before they left for overseas, and it's it's awesome how hard they're working at that. And this and it, this is really exciting. And I, and I and I do think I mean everybody knows what what three x three basketball is but i just see think people seeing it at an elite level at an olympic level going to the events that, that you talked about that are here in edmonton i think it's just continue to grow and, and excite people everybody was very excited about the toronto raptors the big piece of the championship puzzle will not be back hey, look paul we knew this was a possibility and most of us were saying well if they win the title It'll be worth it even if he leaves. It, it, it happened. Uh, how are you looking at this? And do you think, I mean, I read somebody wrote an article that now the Raptors are going to trade Gasol and trade Lowry and, and kind of disassemble a lot of this team. How are you looking ahead here with the club? Well, I think, like you said, they rolled the dice. I mean, they took the chance. Uh, somebody reminded me of, and this, is, this goes back a long ways, but when Jack Morris was brought to the Minnesota Twins, Oh, right. And they won the World Series. You know, remember that? That was the yeah. same thing as Kawhi. And then he went Rolled to the Blue the... Jays to help them win. Yeah, they, yeah, there you go. I mean, it's gun for hire, successful gun for hire. And if if Kawhi Leonard doesn't come here for one year, the Toronto Raptors are not world champions. Now they are, but this was the gamble. I really believed, Reed, that Kawhi would come back. How could he say no to this franchise, to this team. Well, it turns out he's as much a GM as he is a player <laughs> because he orchestrated the George trade from Oklahoma City. So he's home where he belongs. He left a lot of a uh, lot of money on the table in order to make this happen. Uh, estimates of up to forty to fifty million dollars that he could have been paid that he chose not to take in order to be with Los Angeles. So now, going forward, uh, to your point about disassembling the Raptors. I think the genius of Masai Ajuri to this point in his career, Reed, has been how he is strategic and he is measured. So if he has an opportunity to better the team for the future by making a trade, and that includes everybody now, including Lowry, Gasol, uh, Serge Ibaka, I think everybody, everybody's on the table now because Masai has to look at the future and what the Raptors need, and those might be the best pieces he has to start building. It's going to be interesting, and it's it's amazing. Uh, I mean, look, they're always a, a really popular team, but just uh, how many more people dove in or are now following Kawhi Leonard and were following Kawhi Leonard, so we'll see yeah. where it goes. Unfortunately, uh, it's past tense on that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And, okay, so Stingers game, 7 o'clock against Guelph Thursday, uh, Hall D at the Expo Center. You're going to be there for the 3x3 uh, announcement. That's going to be fun, and we'll keep following that story. Paul, we got to get you on more often, man. It is always a pleasure to kept, uh, catch up with you, buddy. Let's do it again soon, Reed. Love, love talking with you. Excellent stuff. That is Paul Sir checking in tonight.
talking some stingers, talking some rafters, uh, hoops in general. Love having Paul on the show from Basketball Alberta. And what did he say? The NBA All-Star Game tends to uh, make a mockery of the sport of basketball. So that's where he comes down in that debate. Bottom of the fourth now, American up one nothing on the National League. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline in the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. It is King's Court with Eskimos long snapper Ryan King when we get back. Hi, this is Armando Sewell of the Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Thank you, Mr. Sewell. He and the Eskimos in Vancouver on Thursday. The game against the BC Lions on 630 Chad. Countdown to kickoff at 6. The game will start at 8. No Inside Sports that night, but I will be with you tomorrow and Wednesday. Calgary Flames defenseman Brandon Davidson scheduled to join us tomorrow. But Eskimos theme for now, it's another edition Presented by Dynasty Builders, designing the custom home of your dreams. Available now exclusively in Landrex Communities, the King's Court with Ryan King. to another episode of King's Court. We are back from bye week at Commonwealth Stadium and I am lucky to have David Beard with me, fifth year at the Eskimos, local kid in Edmonton, out in the community, doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, David, thanks for coming on the show. How has uh, the season been so far for you? Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. It's uh, it's good. It's been, uh, we've seen a lot of ups, a couple downs, but uh, overall it's been a very good start. I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of it goes. Nice. And with a lot of change over this year uh, coming into the season, uh, how do you find all those guys are adapting to the to the flow of the offense and just uh, the culture of the Eskimos. Uh, I think it's good. Uh, there's an element where guys are kind of getting to know what's been here before, but there's also been a lot of new additions here too. So I think um, laying down a new set of tracks also is uh, something we're seeing a lot of and seeing good things from. So nice. And you're obviously taking on a big leadership role this year with the offensive line. You've uh, um, done a phenomenal job. You came in, uh, you know, obviously played, uh, played paid your dues as you had to, and you've worked your way up into a starting uh, offensive lineman position, and you're doing a great job at it. What are the things that you've uh, changed this offseason or have you just had to put the hard work in and now it's finally paying off? Uh in terms of the physical aspect of football, it's the same old song and dance. We're, we're training hard in the offseason. Um, I think the thing that changed for me was just having a little guy this offseason. So that was, a, that was a first, and that was a, a new element to balance as a football player. So. And you got a new offseason job, too. Ah, doing a little bit of school bus driving. School yeah. bus Here driving. And, there, yeah. <laughs> and that's going to lead into our next question for you is uh, bye week. Bye week, obviously, a, a big uh, part of the season for the guys to rest and recover, but also some team blinding. Uh, what did you get set up in the bye week, David Beard? Well, we uh, we got a chance to get out and see the countryside. We happened to find ourselves at a gun range and do a little skeet shooting. And we got out to a good friend, uh, Dwayne Rawson, at the Athabasca Rochester area. And uh, he had us out for barbecue. And so we, we had a good time. There was a good group of us um, that were able to stick around and make it out. And so we got to take a little school bus tri- trip up, uh, up north and we did a little skeet shooting. So. And we had a really good bus driver that got us up there in record time and back in record time. Who, uh, who did you hire for that? 
that? Uh, yeah, that was myself. Yeah, I hired myself, so we uh, we got a, we got a good deal going. We, we were a little party bus going up there. So this kid, nice. A little recap of that: we went down skeet shooting with a good twenty-five of us that stuck around for the bye week. Uh, had a little competition, twenty-five shots per guys. Went through multiple rotations. Got to shoot a whole bunch of shotguns, and that is all complimentary of David Beard and his hard work getting it set up for us. Uh, how many? Uh, what was your best uh, round that you shot? Seventeen to twenty-five. Seventeen to twenty-five. What, what were some of the lows? Oh. Oh, you know what? I uh, didn't count the lows, but I'm gonna guess somewhere around ten. And if you were gonna say like who probably who probably was the low? Oh, uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I don't know who was the lowest. Uh, I definitely want to sell them out either way, but uh, I definitely saw a few guys that took towards the end of the day that actually got their first skeet. Okay, all right. That's a good teammate right there. Not throwing anyone under the bus. Uh, <laughs> the bus that Beard's driving. Uh, appreciate you coming uh, coming on the show. Thanks for your hard work and uh, good luck for the rest of the year. Appreciate it. Thanks. And now joined by Logan Kilgore. Had to give a little special teams love to our new and exciting holder and backup quarterback. Um, we're talking bye week right now, uh, going into the second part of it. We had some exciting things we did uh, during for the team stuff. Let's first talk about what you did during the bye week and then get into uh, the fun bowling activity we had yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, my wife and I went down to uh, Lake Louise in Banff. Had a great couple days there. Um, and then came back. Had to get back for the team activities. Um, you know, all about anything... Uh, with the ability to uh, compete in, so yeah, came back for the uh, uh, skeet shoot, which was uh, which was a great time, and then uh, we had the bowling day. So yeah, it's great bye week. And competing is what Logan Kilgore was born to do. Everyone, uh, I'm going to get into some other things that he has some special skills in, but we're going to get a little more into bowling. I heard you might have scored the top score in bowling. Do you remember what that was? I do. Uh, in the team competition, it was a 177, but at the same time, my my best round was a third one. It was a, it was a personal best, 209, but uh, didn't count towards the team. Who's points. counting the last yeah, one? We only count. get two. Yeah, we exactly. only get two anyway. What have you done so. for me lately? Exactly. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, when I was uh, I was next to you in the lane, and, and I looked over, because I, I, I bowled a 170 yesterday. It might be my career best ever. Yep. And I thought, you know, maybe I'm going to hold this down. I looked beside, and uh, there's Logan Kilgore doing trick shots for, for strikes. So that's how uh, competitive uh, you, you are at the game of bowling. So you did a good job of bowling yesterday. Let's talk about a couple other skills you got. Uh, growing up, where did you learn to play ping pong, to play mm. golf, yep. and all these other activities that you uh, seem to be a professional at? You know, honestly, anything that we were able to keep score at uh, growing up uh, was, was something I was going to fall in love with. So uh, whether it was ping pong over at a buddy's house or uh, trying to play golf, uh, you know, with my grandpa or tic-tac-toe with my sister, it didn't really matter. If you could keep score, I was going to try and figure out a way to win. Nice. And would you say uh, out of the locker room, what's your uh, what's your uh, seed in uh, the ping pong out of the whole locker room? You know, I think that uh, I would definitely give myself top 10, um, but I don't want to be, uh, you know, too boastful. I think that uh, there's definitely some guys that uh, are vying for the belt, but uh, by the time we get the official rankings up there, um, I think uh, it'll kind of take care of itself. Okay. And let's get a little more back into the game of golf. I know you're a big golfer. Um, we're going to be putting together a Ryder Cup from the Eskimos here pretty quick, and uh, I'm going to guess you might even be the team captain wow. for Ryder Cup. If you were going to pick three golfers right now on our team wow. for Team America, who would it be? You know, honestly, I got to go, uh, I got to keep it in the special teams group, of course, so uh, I've only played one tournament in uh, in um, the province of Alberta, and uh, I believe we won that tournament. If we you did remember. win. Uh, so definitely, uh, we got Ryan King, we got Sean White, and actually, as a, you know, to kind of bring in the whole quarterback crew, uh, 
I'm going to go with the rookie, Jeremiah Briscoe, the uh, the dark horse out of uh, Houston, Texas. Pretty good player. All right, so we look forward to that. Appreciate you coming on the show. We had a great bye week. Obviously, all these activities and stuff are fun to do. And, um, yeah, I hope you have a good rest of your season. And I'm um, coming for that top 10 ranking in ping pong, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thanks for joining Kings Court, 630 Chad. Looking forward to another week, another win with the Edmonton Eskimos. And we will see you next week. Presented by Dynasty Builders, designing the custom home of your dreams. Available now, exclusively in Landrex communities. Top of the fifth, still 1-0 American leading national in the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. We're back after the 7.30 news. This is Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. This is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. It's 7.33 Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Pleasure to be with you. Uh, we've t- we're teeing you up for the Eskimos game, obviously, on Thursday. We had Mike Riley on the show. We'll get Morley on from Vancouver tomorrow night. I mentioned Brandon Davidson, former Edmonton Oiler, what, uh, three times, I guess? Now he's signed with the Calgary Flames. He's going to join us as well. We are already ramping up, and I got to play the course last week, the Edmonton Country Club. It is hosting the McKenzie Tour Stop uh, in Edmonton this year, the 1932 by Bateman Open. That's a new name for the event, and the title sponsor behind that is here tonight. Please welcome to the show Mike Bateman. Mike, great to see you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for thanks for stopping in. Uh, I'm, re- I'm really excited about this. Uh, obviously, your son Will has has been on this show a few times. Great young golfer, and he's raring to go for this event as well. But I I think before we get into the golf, Mike, we got to tell a little bit of the story. Well, let's we can tell more than a little bit because I'm sure you've heard it too, and people have said to me as the sports guy, "Why is the tournament called that? It's an unorthodox title, I guess." The 1932 by Bateman Open. So before we get to that, tell me a little bit about your family's history in the city, because the the Batemans have been in Edmonton a long time. Yes, uh, my grandfather started here um, in 1932 as a butcher uh, on 99th Street. Uh, and that's where our, our grocery roots began. Um, he built he built the business up over the years, and then my gra- my dad got into the business in the '60s, uh, in his own store in the late '60s, and then grew the grew the business. And then I got into it in, in the '90s. So we were in the grocery business in Edmonton for 85 years. We employed thousands of people. We fed, I mean, probably millions of people right. over those 85 <laughs> years. And you know, I can't I can't go really anywhere in the city still with people that I'll run into someone on the street and they'll. They'll say something, and I'll say, oh, well, I worked for you, or my dad worked for you. or So we got a lot of history, and the 1932 came from uh, him, obviously, that year that he started there. Uh, and then we are doing a condo development on the south side on the very property where he started, and it's it's also named 1932 by Bateman. So there's a connection there with the city, a uh, connection there with our family, and we just thought it was a great name for, for our condo development. Uh, that, well, that that's amazing. So your, your grandpa... So the so it was this uh, as I drive by there every day. This is 99th and 90th Avenue, 89th Avenue, 89th Avenue, because I drove by there a few days ago and they were knocking stuff down. 
yeah, part of the process of right. the development is to, and to right. knock the building down. And we, we started that last, uh, that process a few weeks ago. Um, and it was, uh, you know, our family came out and there's some people there. And obviously we had some media, a uh, lot of history, you know, the odd tier because of, uh, because of the history we have in that building. I mean, it, it goes way back to uh, the first building there was built in the 40s uh, when he had, he had his red and white and, and, and uh, meat shop, tore that down, built a little store on the corner. That became the first building. Then a few le- years later, he built a second building beside it. Then the third building, which was the grocery store in the two-story building with the, um, with the uh, offices above, was the third building. So there were three buildings actually built on that site. Okay. The last one was opened in 57. So, and we have a lot of history in that building. I mean, um, a couple examples. Don Stanley, Dr. Don Stanley, started his started Stantec, renting office space for my grandfather. No way. In the late 50s. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, we had uh, the media club was there in the mid-70s. The media club was part of that building in, in the basement below because uh, the it used to be called the captain's cabin and then became the media club because they lost a bunch of parking. So the media came there after hours. Uh, seven days a week. Yeah, apparently, I was born too late. Yeah, it, I <laughs> to guess do it was media the, in this city. <laughs> it was quite the place to hang out for the media. So lots of history, and, and you were telling me there were extended consumption hours. Yeah, tell me knew pretty a few, loose. Uh, yeah. knew everybody in Strathcona, so yeah, <laughs> let them go after hours. And most recently, it was uh, what was it called? Wild Earth. Yeah, my sister was running a Wild Earth Bakery and right. Cafe and the Wild Earth Grocery Store. Right. Um, that was the last uh, store that we we closed as a as a grocer in this city, and that was 87 years we we were. Wow, so, <laughs> that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So okay, so the and most so it was Bateman's was the grocery ch- and then how did that work with did that become IGA or how did that was what was uh, the connection? Well, he had red and white stores. And okay. Then, so that's in the into the um, wow, into that's the, into the fifties. Okay. And then he started. Then he had his own store, on the, and that was called Bateman's. Okay. Bateman Foods was that was that store, and then uh, he ran that operation. Uh, there was four stores in the south side that he had. Um, he had McKernan, he had Garneau, 99th Street, and there was a fourth one. But he ran that kind of four little uh, store operation until the ni- until the uh, 60s when my, my dad got into business in the 60s for, for himself. And then he and his partners bought my grandfather out in the early 70s, and that's when they changed to IGA. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And so now are there any left now? Very few. Um, there's Andy's IGA on 142nd Street. Okay. And outside of that, you know, they've changed the Sobeys, as you know. Sobeys, sure, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah but yeah, in terms of actually anything being called an IGA anymore. No, as far as independents go, there's not many left. Right. Okay. Fascinating. And you're totally out of that now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. That, like, I, lo- I love that. And I love Edmonton stories. I mean, we're not an old city relative to, well, I mean, Europe, you can't even compare. But, but even some of the st- cities in eastern Canada and the eastern United States are several hundred years old. And we're what? around 120 now but it's you still we still i think we still have to connect with that history and that's why i love your naming the building that and then you're just heck with it we're going to name the golf tournament that so we can talk about stuff like this yeah for sure and and that you know keeping that golf tournament going and and getting a name to it was it was really important to us and we've always been community-minded and this was to support two great charities as they're the big benefactors of uh, of people coming out to see these events so yeah it was a fit for us uh community event community family I mean, we're building the condo, but, you know, really it's about the excitement for the tournament and getting people out to support two great charities. Okay, so we want want to talk about that. Let's update the hole-in-one challenge. So some people qualified this past Saturday, and there are other opportunities this coming weekend? Yes, uh, we had 11 courses participate this last weekend. We have four this next weekend, and then we have one last one the weekend after. 
Uh, all the details are on, on 1932byabatementopen.com. And uh, it's a chance to qualify to, uh, to come to the event on, on the Saturday night to have a shot at a million dollars. If you get an ace. If you get a hole-in-one, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think I'm in it yes, as you the are, media you qualify, qualifier. Yeah, absolutely. And is that, I think Evan got in too, my buddy Evan Dom from Wild Rose Golf yeah. Blog. And we'll have, uh, so we'll have 32 shooters that night. We'll do a random draw on the tee on okay. 18 after, after play on, on August the 3rd. Uh, we'll have a DJ, beer garden, you know, lots of fun happening. And, and we're going to have 32 people have a shot at uh, getting a hole in one for a million dollars. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I got Now the shot I'm going to be hitting on that day is going to be about 15 yards further than what I qualified on? Yeah, it'll be 175. Okay. Yeah, from the pro so practice well, here, 175. Got to use a different club. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gr- it's an awesome par three. If, if When you go to the country club to watch the tournament, there's an incredible walking bridge from the tee to the green. And the green is... I, I think maybe if people haven't seen it, they might even be surprised how close it is to the clubhouse and the entryway in the parking lot. Oh, like, yeah. it's right there. You, like, you, it's... You might drive in and think, well, that's a practice green. No, 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 that is, that's the green, and that's the amazing shot over the ravine to the green. Like, it's yeah. an incredible view. It's a very unique finishing hole because a lot of courses don't finish on a par three, and, and here we are uh, bringing this event to a course that's got incredible history in the city. You know, it was opened in, I believe, 1896, original, mm-hmm. down below. Different but, location, yeah. yeah. But this course, I mean, uh, history, the, the finishing hole, par three, I mean, they they finished the tour championship for I don't know how many years at uh, in Atlanta was finished on a par three so mm-hmm. it's not unusual but it's kind of cool because it's a uh, the crowd will be around the hole and it'll be uh, very exciting. Well, I think there have been a oh I can't remember if I would have known we were going to go this far down this path I would have looked. This happens to me all the time, Mike. But yeah, <laughs> there have been a couple U.S. Opens I think in the last thirty or forty years where they there was one that finished on a par three but I think there were a couple where they said no you got to change it. Yes, you know, you're, because you're they right. did. They wanted to finish on a more traditional par four. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do. I mean, that's to me, that's the pressure shot. Sure. One shot lead on a par three, hit the green, you probably win. Yeah, miss know? the green, miss not, the green, might might not win. It could be a two two shot swing for sure. Yeah. Mike Bateman joining us, title sponsor for the 1932 by Bateman Open, uh, August long weekend, basically uh, here at the Country Club. Got to play that course uh, the other day. Really enjoyed it. Um, the greens were something. Especially for a guy like me that doesn't have the touch, like you know your son, who's a who's a pro golfer. But I, I thought, I'm curious to see what you think. I thought that's probably going to be the course's biggest defense is the greens, and not just putting on them, but chipping so you're within range to make a putt and the subtle breaks, all those kind of things. Yeah, you're going to find that uh, if the golf course plays firm and fast, which they'll try and dry it out. Because um, these guys are so good that if it's soft and wet, you know, it's like a dartboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it gets firm out there and they, they roll those greens, they, when we played, they weren't that quick. Like, they'll be... See, and I found them quick yeah. for my level, right? Yeah, but they'll, yeah. They'll, be, they'll be considerably quicker. And if they're firm and, and they'll be faster, uh, you get above the hole there, you're looking at... Yeah, I mean, you'd be lucky to make bogey because just the up and down. Yeah. And plus, the uh, there's lots of slopes that if you're, if you're on the wrong side of the hole... And you're coming downhill, you won't be able to stop the golf ball. So, hopefully, it, it firms up and and they'll speed them up. And you're right, the defense is the is the greens. The uh, these guys all hit it very far, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of gone by the wayside of any defense. Um, you know, so and the greens are small, and the rough will be up. So you add all those factors in. If it if it firms up, the greens will yeah. Uh, be that's a, test. a good point that they'll grow the rough up too. 
So yeah. if you're not sharp or you like say you miss on a par three, all of a sudden you're like, okay, how's this coming out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so oh, you know what? Let's take a timeout and then we'll get uh, we'll get more into the tournament and uh, more into Will, who we will have on the show uh, later this summer. And you're a pretty good golfer too. Well, we'll, we'll I move it around out. a little bit. We'll yeah. find out. <laughs> Mike Bateman is in studio. We're teeing up the 1932 by Bateman Open on Inside Sports. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. It is 7.47 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Eskimos at Lions. Coming up on Thursday, 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff. The game will start at 8. Eskimos coming off the bye. They are 2-1. and one. The Lions finally getting their first win of the season, barely, on a missed field goal, but the kick returner Chris Rainey steps on the end line, fielding the missed field goal, didn't run it out, so the Lions won by a point uh, as they get to one and three. Mike Bateman is in studio, title sponsor for the 1932 by Bateman Open. Uh, I guess I've been saying August long weekend. It's August 1st to 4th, yes. the actual tournament. We're hitting for the hole-in-one on Saturday, August, Saturday, August 3rd, yeah. so that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. Can people already buy their, their passes? Uh, yeah, you can go online oh. on the uh, PGA uh, Tour Canada we- uh, website, and they they have uh, the tickets. You can purchase them online for sure. Okay, so uh, your son Will Bateman's going to be in the tournament. We've had him on the show, and we'll we'll bring him in closer to the to the tournament to to catch up with him. Uh, his his journey. Well, you know what? I'll ask you this way: I've talked to a lot of hockey moms and dads over the years, and then you know, football moms and dads and soccer moms. I don't know if I've ever really asked you this about being a golf dad. Because that's, to me, that's a totally different animal. Or maybe it isn't, but encouraging your kid in an individual sport. I mean, what's it like for you being a golf dad? Yeah, I would say it's, I'd say it's a lot different because they don't have a coach. You know, you're their kind of mentor coach if you have that ability, or you got to find somebody and really it's very difficult to find someone you know in, in Canada because you're playing six months of the year to find someone that's going to take them under their wing and kind of guide them through that process so yeah it's, it's a little different and uh it's been a great experience I mean I love the game I've, I've been I played it since I was 11 and mm-hmm. passionate about it my wife plays my other son plays so uh but it, it has been quite a journey for him and there's been lots of ups and downs and it's a it's a very difficult I think it's one of the most difficult sports to make it in because you're by yourself you got to drive yourself. You got to practice yourself. You got to pick yourself up. There's no teammates to back you up when you have a bad shift or a bad day. It just, it's it's quite a it's quite a challenge. Well, and another thing that to me is great about golf, but also challenging, is it's it's totally merit based. I I mean, you were just talking during the commercial how you listen to Rob and I after games. I mean. Well, we get well. This guy's not living up to his contract. Oh, they should pay the players based on goals. Well, hockey's not like that. You sign the deal, you're getting the money. Golf's true, but golf is. You want to win? You want to be invited to the next tournament? You want an exemption? Okay, play well. Yeah, just just, uh, give you an idea. Give an idea how a very simple idea how how tough it is. There was a guy last year that played his first year on the. He made it to the PGA Tour. He played every event. He missed every cut. He made zero dollars. And at the end of the year, he has, because of his finish, he has no status on any tour. He has to go back to Q school at, at, the, at, the, other, at the third level, not, not Webb or not Corn Ferry. 
not PGA. He's gone back to the to the third level of trying to get his card back. Wow. So he's gone from being considered one of the top 125 golfers in the world yep. to now the game says you're back pretty to, much... A, back to square one. I was going to say a nobody. That would have been a little harsh. But you know what I mean. Yep. You're, you're you're back to... Yeah. Yeah, Nothing I mean, like it'd, it. it'd be like... <laughs> it'd be like, you know, you hit 30 home runs in the bigs and then you go a couple months without a homer so they just send you right back right, to like, single A. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Exactly. That's a great analogy. Yeah. See, that's what... And again, that's what I like about golf. I mean, you can't... You can't complain about what a guy is making because he's he's earning it. He's either winning the money or he's not winning anything. So yeah. that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. When did you realize? So you're a pretty good golfer yourself, allegedly. Yeah. I, <laughs> allegedly, yeah. I've, no, you are pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Um. So when did you realize Will? Because I think a parent has to have that realization where it's like, oh, okay, he's he's probably has surpassed me or will soon i gotta start talking to him and giving him some some options but but you i mean most parents tell me but they don't want to be feel like they're being that pushy parent either right so when did you have that realization and walk that line with him yeah i mean wilson played a lot of sports him and, and his son max played or my son max played a lot of sports growing up um but when you know 10 11 years old they had to you had to get a little specific because you sure. can't really excel and so uh, Wilson and had got to that point where he started to play, wanted to play tournament golf, and started playing a lot. And he started to win a few you know, tournaments that were, eight, you know, being kids that are 18 years old when he was 13. Um, you know, he won the Blackhawk Men's Club Championship when he was 14. So why? That's the wide open yeah, for everybody. He beat yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah. So if, and he won it four years in a row. I mean, it's only the Blackhawk, but there's still some good players. But still, you're and they're men. Pretty good players. Yeah. Um, you know, he played on he he played on the Wellington Cup team as a 15 year old which I think is set, set a record for the youngest ever to play on that on the Alberta Wellington Cup team so you, you, you realize that at that age they have some some chance to make it but there is so many a guy interviewed me after he beat those kids when he was 13 and uh, said well what do you think of Wilson you know is he going to be a professional golfer and I said listen I said he's 13 I said there is a million things that can go wrong in a person's life or sideways whether it's a coach an injury uh, you know, just get sidetracked. Yeah. And I said, let's let him, change. He's 13, like, let him play golf. Like, yeah. But you know, he ran with it, and he he was he was passionate about it, and he played yeah. every every chance he got as a kid. He was out there beating balls and playing. So yeah. Well, I guess that's the thing too. As a as a parent, you got to encourage them, but you got to make sure it's ultimately their choice, right? So if you see him practicing to that level, you're thinking like, okay, he's he probably really wants to do this. He's not doing it because he thinks someone else wants him to do it. No, for sure. You gotta let him make that decision himself. I'm glad I got to play a full round with him. I, in the, in, you guys invited the media down to the country club, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, he's it's amazing. I, I mean, here's the thing: the length is incredible, but I'm also as equally as amazed by how they can the, the guys like him who are true professional golfers who are you know the top point zero 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 one percent of players in the world the control they have of the ball from 120 in. That's, I mean, the length, but but we've been seeing the length for so long and you see it on TV, but when I see a guy like Will play in person and I see, okay, he's 50 yards out. If that's me, I'm like, okay, if I can even have a 20-foot putt, I'm fine. Like, he's stopping the ball, little roll, checks two feet from the cup. And th- that's precisely where he was trying to put it. That's what That's what really impresses me the most. Yeah, if you don't, if you never play with these guys or watched them play, you really don't 
and even if you're a golfer, you really don't understand until you actually see it live. Because when you talk about when they're playing with you out there and they're moving the ball around, add add the pressure of a golf tournament, add the right. pressure of being in the lead. And now to be able to do that in that situation, unless you've been there or played for, you know, had some pressure on yourself, you don't understand. And it, it, it does it does change your mechanics. It changes everything. So the more precise you are when you're out there with just the regular guy and you're in a tournament, it's going to be a little more magnified. So, it you know, that's 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 what gets you... That's what gets you the wins is to be able to do that under pressure. Does Will, and I know I've talked to him a bit about this, does he have, uh, you know, like a performance coach for his, a mental coach? Or yeah, do you, do you to, help with that as a dad a little bit or do you find you have to step away from that? Yeah, no, at that level you got to talk to a, to a guy who does it for a living. So right. he's got a guy in Phoenix that he's, uh, he's touched base with. Um, he's got a, a mentor that he, as a junior, uh, Tom Jackson out of Florida, that he calls once in a while for some advice. Um, you know, as far as me helping him out, I mean, at, at this time, you know, I, I might, he might ask me a certain few things, but as far as me giving him advice or, to, you know, swing or mental, when you get to that level, you, you need to have the guys that, that know what they're doing. You know, you know, it's time to step back there now. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing every day now because he's, he's around, he's, he's on the, uh, the Latin American tour. Is that yeah. the exact title? Yeah. But he told me earlier, it's too hot to play there right now so they do a spring and a, and a fall season so yeah. he's been playing every day here in Edmonton yep. and then plus how much time will he spend on on the range in a day and on top of the round he plays uh, if you added up his practice plus his playing plus his workouts it's it's 8 hours yeah. eight, 8 to 10 hours it's his job yeah that's exactly right and if you want to be you know you've that they had a, they had the uh, Hogan special on the other night on Golf Channel and, and uh, they asked Hogan that that question what does it take and he says basically you got to eat sleep and breathe the game if you want to get to that level you just there is no and that's you know how many years ago did he say that and it's more true today than ever because the competition and, and amount of guys that want to make it is just is is tenfold what it was back then yeah that's a good point yeah well i i enjoyed i enjoyed playing with him and i kind of was I mean, I know I'm not very good. I am who I am as a golfer. Sometimes I have a good little run of holes, but I thought, geez, like, is Will even going to be able to play with me? Because even if I'm hitting it well, it's still taking me a shot and a half distance-wise to get where he... But, oh, he was... And I guess he must... He never knows who he's going to play. And and the great thing about Will was when when I hit a good shot, like, he was pumping me up for the rest of the hole, right? And if I hit a bad shot, whatever. You know, one of the... And one of the things that uh, with their with their job is that pro ams and playing with amateurs, and um, it's, it helps them learn patience. It helps them, you know, realize that these guys that are supporting them that play in these events with them are either sponsors or people that media, and they they know that they need their support. So th- they learn, you know, it takes a while to learn that through experience, but the, you learn that to, to realize that hey, these guys are just like me. They put, you know, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time, and. Yeah. So it's great that uh, I'm glad you had that feedback because I'm, you know, he's growing up, uh, matured a lot the last few years, and so it's, it's great to see him grow. Mike, thanks for coming by. Mike Bateman, it is the 1932 by Bateman Open, so 1932bybatemanopen.com. People get all the dates, uh, all the you can look for passes there for the tournament. It's August 1st to 4th at the Country Club. You can find out about entering the hole-in-one challenge at courses this coming weekend. Uh, I'm so glad you're on board with us, Mike, and thanks for stopping in tonight. I really appreciate the time. Talk to you tomorrow, everybody. Have a great evening. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.